Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that needs a spreadsheet as a visual reference of all the different card versions from non-foil to foil to full art to foil full art to artist sketch version to old border foil, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I'm joined by the timeless dragon herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? Yes, I'm doing good. Um, this week I got my COVID shot appointment all sorted, so I'm very excited to get jabbed. Yes. Not that I'm excited about needles, but I'm excited to get shot. In terms of content, uh, I've been pretty busy prepping Modern Horizons 2 previews. Woohoo! Because mm. it's that time of the year again. Yeah. Or time of the month, I should say. Not, not necessarily the year. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of writing, uh, I've managed to get a little bit of writing done in the midst of all sorting out for the previews. Um, I do have a nice little feature going up on Polygon in the next week or so. Mm. And it is about Modern Horizons 2. It's more for the less enfranchised players, so we're talking about casual players here and explaining to them what is modern. Would they be interested in it? Yeah. How you know how to use Modern Horizons two as like a baseline to get into modern? Mm. Um, so yeah, so keep an eye out when that drops. I'm not sure why when it's going up yet, but it'll be pretty soon, like before the release. Sweet. Otherwise, I've been taking inspiration from you, Scott, when you talked last week about My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've gone back into anime. Like I used to watch a lot of anime growing up. I've kind of yeah. grown out of it a little bit, but I do circle back on some stuff for, for nostalgia, and it's just quite good. Uh, Cowboy Bebop's a really good example of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've jumped back into a personal favourite, which is called Shirakuma Cafe. Nice. And Shirakuma Cafe is a very slice-of-life anime. It's very happy, very, very easy watching, very simple. There chill. isn't much of a story. You just can't, It's yeah. very chill. Um, and it's about a polar bear that runs a cafe mm-hmm. who happens to be best friends with a panda, a penguin, and a grizzly bear. And it is just the most adorable thing ever. Like, humans coexist as well, so they all mingle together and hang out and stuff nice. like that. And it does a really good job. If you're not really familiar with, like, Japanese culture, like, food and, like, sort of the sort of holidays they celebrate, mm-hmm. so it's a really good way of just, like, learning that. Yeah, it's just really, really endearing. It's really, really cute. Like, it's just, it's just a great way just to kind of, like, feel better about yourself. Yeah. So I do recommend it. It's on Crunchyroll for free, so you can just check it out whenever there's only, like, two seasons of it as well. Nice. Um, otherwise, I've been playing more Hades and reminding how I'm still really awful at the game, and it's... <laughs> But I still choose to play it. Um, how about you? How are you doing? Uh, just on Hades, I don't think you're bad at the game. I think it's just that you're using fists. But, you know. Uh, wow, savage. <laughs> uh, fists are the best. Mm-hmm, 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 <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. I am good, though. I am good. I got to hang out with a few friends outdoors and fairly well distance yesterday. And... I noticed something. My alcohol tolerance has dropped significantly since I don't really drink anymore. I've basically stopped drinking. The last time I had a drink, it was effectively forced on me by my parents at Christmas. So, like, do the maths on that. Uh, two drinks in, and I was in a pretty good spot. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I, I personally see this as a great thing, because now I can have budget nights out. Are we extending the BM cast into budget night out? Budget drinking? The budget night life budget cast. Budget beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's even more impressive is that budget nights out are absolutely affordable when the world returns to normal, even taking into consideration the price of a pint in Dublin. So, pretty good guy. Prices of pints in Dublin are very expensive. I've had a pint of Guinness in, in Dublin because I'm you had to do it, right? Mm. So, it's very, very expensive. Yeah. In terms of magic, I am very good. I'm very excited to say that I have my first ever preview card, and it's for Modern Horizons 2. As you're hearing this, it'll actually already be announced, and you can check it out over on Card Kingdom. And I celebrated this by interviewing Chris Ran, who was the artist for the card. 
Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you will have seen me talk about this already. Uh, if not, I'm not going to spoil the, the surprise here. You can go check out the card over on Card Kingdom. Get me a few extra views for my article there, yeah? Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I have also actually decided on a new modern deck. Remember I was saying recently I wanted to find yes. something different? So I proxied up Electrobalance so that I could play it on webcam with my friends. And it is a joy to play. Turn two rhinos I never get old. Yeah. Uh, like as for Tom living in Electro Dominance deck, it's like my pet deck. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's not good. It's kind of like a, bla- a bad Splinter Twin deck, but it's still just really, really fun. I also learned it's actually a particularly good matchup against Amulet Titan specifically because of, you know, restore balance. This also prompts me to say a huge thank you to my good friend and patron of the cast, Tom Telford, uh, who played six games against this deck with his Amulet Titan deck and got absolutely danced on. I, I wrecked him so hard. Not intentionally, it's just we were just playing and he just got murdered. Turns out that's like a 98-2 kind of matchup. And uh, yeah, he, he took it in his stride like a great sport, but I still feel bad about it. So <laughs> moving on, I have loads of things this week. I have a special bonus article this week where I take a deep dive into grief. As in the, the card. The card. It's, not a, it's not a piece on coping with it in the midst of a pandemic. It's, it's the new Modern Horizons 2 card that was previewed on Weekly MTG last week. I talk about its potential homes in Modern, how it could potentially change Living End, and how it plus cards like Ephemerate line up against, say, a Term 1 Thoughtseize. It was a really interesting experiment. You can find that one over in Card Kingdom now as well. That was an article that just sort of flowed from my being at like four in the morning on the night that grief was previewed it was it was a weird time they're my favorite sort of articles the ones that you write at like 2 to 3 a.m because you can't sleep because you're just like wait i had this idea mm-hmm. i need to push it out of my head i need to get it down yep. and you just like scribble like 1500 words in two hours and then you get back to sleep and then you just it. like what did i write 100 <laughs> percent uh outside of magic i haven't really actually done much else to be honest it's just been a busy week prepping for the new preview season as like with yourself i've just been playing a little bit of everything a little bit of enter the gungeon bit of hades bit of dicey dungeons you know mostly just magic stuff though to be honest but yeah have we got any housekeeping this week emma we do we would like to give a huge welcome and thank you to Bo shorts madston who is the latest patron of our stonks tier uh, so thanks again Bo, and enjoy those patreon perks nice if you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so before we jump into the meat and bones of the episode, I have a card of the week for you. And this one is a pretty sweet one. It is Throne of Geth. So it's 25 cents. It's two generic mana for an artifact that says tap and sacrifice an artifact to proliferate. It's cheap and reusable as a proliferate enabler. It can sacrifice itself at worst case scenario. So it's just two mana proliferate. Or you could just sack other random artifacts. It's used an awful lot in like dedicated counters or super friends or infect decks because they all benefit hugely from this kind of thing. I personally use it in my Glacian and Togo artifacts deck. It adds to the very small charge counters sub-theme. So I put extra charge counters on, say, like Everflowing Chalice for more mana or onto Magistrate Scepter to get additional turns. 
and I use it as a sacrifice outlet for artifacts like Icar Wellspring or Spine of Vishsa, that kind of thing. It's uh, it's really sweet. 25 cents, it's a steal. Okay, and this week, the main topic we are talking about, it's what everyone's talking about at the moment, Modern Horizons 2. We have a few cards that we want to talk about that have been revealed up until this point. We're recording on Sunday, so, you know, there will be a few days of previews between now and then. Undoubtedly, there are going to be other cards that are going to blow our tiny little minds between now and then that we won't be able to fit in here, but we'll get next week. So, these are mostly going to be from the weekly MTG stream that happened a couple of days ago. I do want to preface this with a little disclaimer. We are going to be mostly talking about these in frame of reference to modern, as most of these cards are going to be cool somewhere, either in Commander or wherever else, but mostly for modern for this episode. So, first up is the most potentially Timmy Storm card I've ever seen in my life. That's Thrasta Tempest's Roar. So, Thrasta is 10 green green for a 7-7 with Trample, Haste, Trample over Planeswalkers, which is this creature can deal excess combat damage to the controller of the Planeswalker it's attacking, and Thrasta Tempest's Roar has Hexproof as long as it enters the battlefield this turn. Now, the key with this one is that it also costs 3 less to cast for each other spell cast this turn. There are a couple of things to take away from this. It's not spells that you have cast this turn, it's spells overall. So if your opponent casts spells, it makes this cheaper. I still don't think it's all that good though. Like I- Feels like a trap. Yeah, like I want it to be good. I really do. I really want this to be good because I want to play a two mana, seven, seven, Planeswalker Trampler guy. Like there are cards that enable it that can help go the distance with it. And that stuff like Burning Tree Emissary or Hidden Herbalists, Manamorphose, Mishra's Bobble, Rituals, anything that generates mana or effectively costs zero mana, they're all the things you want to do. The only thing, though, is that they don't really all fit in the same deck unless you're specifically trying to only get Thrasta out, and it feels like Thrasta is a very weak payoff for this, considering they'll get to punch through for seven points of damage, and then you got to hope to find a way to get rid of the other 13 somehow. I think, I think my issue is, what does Thrasta do that Galta doesn't? Pretty much. Is what I'm thinking. Uh, nine times out of ten. Like, you know, Galta doesn't see modern play anyway, right? It's no. very, very rare. Often you see it in, like, Bonnie Green Stompy, which is a really good budget deck. But I just, Galta just does way more because power is so relevant in those decks. Whereas chaining off Lanoir Elves is not really what you want to do here, nor chain off Burning Tree Emissaries. So, yeah. like, maybe there's someone will break it and I'm, I'm completely missing it but the fact that you know i don't really want to have like springleaf drums or you know mistress baubles and go to this like heavy zero artifact theme yeah. play this play this dinosaur and then they would be like oh yeah by the way puff because it only gets hexproof to end the turn right yeah. like at least if you have golter you, you still have a board of stuff to do right yeah. you still have other power creatures whereas this it just feels really like a really weird payoff but maybe, yeah. maybe I'm not seeing it, but it's just, it feels like a little bit of a trap, you know? Yeah, like one of the other ways in which I thought that this might work would be something like the whole Bergy grinning Ignis thing, where you can just like mm. generate infinite mana or whatever. But if you're generating infinite mana, its cost reduction doesn't really matter at all. And there are way better things that you can spend infinite mana on than this. Yes. So like, no, don't see it, I'm afraid. One thing I do like about this card, and I put it on Twitter last week, mm-hmm. is that it looks a little bit like Rotty Registor. It does. It does. It's like the same pose and everything, like especially on the full art, yeah. not the not the, the the set art, but the full art looks very very similar to Reggie. So I'd like to think 
they're the same card. A healthier Reggie. Yeah. yeah, a healthier <laughs> Reggie. And I do appreciate that Reggie's lost like one toughness as well because he's now a zombie because <laughs> it's a 7-6, mm. whereas uh, Frass is a 7-7. Seven, seven. Zombification will do that to you, yeah. But in, in, in my head, it's, it's canon. <laughs> so. Yeah. Next up, Profane Tutor. It is a weird one. It's a suspend card with no mana cost, so you can't just cast it from your hand, but you can put it on suspend, so put it in exile with two time counters on it, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you remove a time counter, and when the last one's removed, you cast it without paying its mana cost. You suspend it for one and a black, and when you get to cast it, it says search your library for a card, put it into your hand, and then shuffle. So it's just, it's a tutor effect, basically. It, it's, it's weird. It's weird, and... I t- I don't know, like, it might be good for, like, combo decks like Inverter or Ad Nauseam and stuff, you know, where you kind of do generally wait until, say, like, turn four or five or whatever, and you have some sort of, like, interaction or ways to stay alive until then. I can see it being used in the likes of, like I said earlier, like, Electro Balance or Electro End and that kind of thing, but the problem with that is that they're already full of cantrips or cycling creatures, so you kind of dig to what you want to get anyway. And you also don't really want to waste either your use of As Foretold for the turn or your Electro Dominance to cast a tutor for a thing that you then have to wait to get another enabler to cast in the first yeah. place. Plus, you don't really run black in those decks. I know you want to cast this for free off a, yeah. off a As Foretold, but in the instance that you don't have the As Foretold, it's kind of a dead card and then you need to go Grixis, basically, which doesn't feel great, yeah. to be honest. And plus, you have Teleria West, which transmutes and gets what you need anyway, and that's already in... Yeah. Te- essentially it's blue right yeah i don't know where this is gonna land like it'd be fine in commando it's like a it could be an affordable tutor mm. perhaps for for commander players and yeah. um, but in modern i'm missing something that it, it kind of reminds me do you remember mox tantalite from yeah. horizons one yeah i'm getting that vibe from this card and that saw zero play and i kind of seeing that with profane tutor right now although it's like because it's got tutor in the name everyone thinks oh man it's gonna be really really good like yeah. mox tantalite it's got mox in the title it has that sort of legacy yeah per se and everyone's like oh this could be really good i'm like i'm not seeing it like it's a cool card suspends neat yeah. but there's there's better cards that do that in modern already but then again it's nice to have cheaper quote-unquote tour effects as well yeah now the kind of place like i said like inverter or Adnos or whatever it might be good there both to find a piece that you might need but also one thing that a lot of those suspend cards that actually do see play like ancestral vision that kind of thing one thing it's really good at is if you're not trying to abuse something like electrodominance or as foretold you can force action on your opponent so if you suspend they say on turn two or whatever they know that a tutor effect is coming and they either have to stop that and deal with it or you get some benefit from it now that's how it works with ancestral vision because if they don't deal with the ancestral vision you draw three cards that's immense with this, however, you're tutoring up one card, and then if you try and cast that card, they can just counter it. You know, so it, it doesn't even really have that same kind of effect that yeah. stuff like Ancestral would have anyway. So, yeah, like, it's it's fine. It's fine. I honestly, personally, I don't think I could ever play this in Commander, because telling the entire table that I'm going to get my Wincon in two turns is not good. They're going to be like, okay, cool, let's kill you. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. We it's weird that they managed to make a tutor that doesn't really tick any of the boxes of a tutor. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> like, it feels like they're just they're filling in the gaps of all the other tutors. Mm. It's like, oh, we haven't heard a suspend tutor yet. Let's let's add one <laughs> like with Mox Tantalite. Yeah, but yeah, that's that. Next up, oh god, here we go. Grief. So good grief. <laughs> we're gonna cut this one short. All right, we're gonna cut this one short. There's a reason for it. 
I did an article, like I mentioned in the intro there, I did an article on this. I go in depth into its use and place in modern. It is, however, part of a cycle of creatures that can be evoked for free. I'm not even sure if the evoke cost will be the same on every card in the cycle or what kind of stats those other creatures have. Again, we're recording on Sunday. We haven't seen any of the other ones yet. So by the time the episode comes out, they could just be all revealed by now. My my thoughts on the other cards in this cycle, I don't know. Like They're either going to be insane or unplayable. But I think they'll probably stay away from stuff like card draw because that basically just makes these free cantrips. And that's very problematic. Like, look at Git Probe, for example. I'm expecting the white one to gain life or make two more ones. <laughs> gain three life. Let's go. <laughs> Tap some creatures, get more creatures. It's basically like Convoke or something. Yeah. It's, the, it's like the Evoke cost or something. Yeah, yeah. This, this cycle is going to be interesting. This, so far, out of all the cards, is the one that I think is going to have the biggest impact. A lot of pro players are excited about it because of Ephemerate. The plan mm. is you ephemerate this with the evoke trigger on the stack yeah. and you rip you rip your opponent's hand out. Um, which does not sound like a great experience, to be honest. I don't know the build for it because you need a good density of like yeah. ETB creatures and stuff, which I'm sure you go into in this Car Kingdom piece, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> delve too much further. But yeah, it's it's impressive and plus the fact it has menace as well is probably gonna be relevant as well. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, one of the main points that I make to sort of tease the article is that if you start with the turn one free grief and then ephemerate it, you destroy your opponent's hand at the expense of your own, except they now also basically have to answer a flipped delver. Like, that's pretty good. Mm. So, and it kind of depends on the kind of deck as well, because not every modern deck has good top decks. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting, girl. Because especially if it's something like, say, like prowess, whatever, mm-hmm. you rip out, you rip their hand, all of their their burn spells, and they just have lands left. Like, yeah. what do you do? But yeah, it'd be interesting to see the builds for that because grief is a very powerful card. Yeah. Not bannable, but I just think it's very, very good. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on though to one that you're pretty excited about. Rishadan Duckhand. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited about this just because I like ribbing Merfolk players because that's <laughs> all I've been doing this week and it's been it's been delightful. Um, so Rishadan Duckhand is a Merfolk. It's not a pirate, which kind of bothers me. It should be a pirate on a side note. Um, so for one blue mana, you get a 1-2 Merfolk that has Island Walk and it reads, uh, you pay one generic mana and, and you tap the creature and you can tap target mana. Basically it's Rishadan Port on a creature, mm-hmm. on a blue creature. Yeah, so it's a great one drop for Merfolk, being serious about Merfolk for a second. Like, Merfolk struggles for really good, cheap sort of threats, mm-hmm. lower curve cards, and this fits that gap fantastically. Yep. Um, pairs really well with Spreading Seas. You can lock people out of their mana completely. Um, you can take people off their second and third color. You can take people off Tron. It just it just opens up a wealth of sort of options. Yep. Also, you can flash this off an Aether Vile, which feels pretty nice as well. Mm. So you can flash it end of turn, tap some lands. feels great. It could reinforce like blue white taxes in modern yeah. when you've got stuff like like this into meddling mage, meddling mage named lightning bolt, deal mm. with deal with like the one piece of removal and then just like lock out their lands. Just feels really really powerful. Yeah. Um. This is going to see play in modern and probably see play in legacy as well. Actually, just having port on a creature just seems quite powerful. Yeah, hundred percent. One thing that I think people are really just sleeping on with this is that you play this on turn one. And then on turn two, you can pay one and tap it to tap target land. With Rishidan Port, it was a land that you had to use as your land drop. And then you had to tap it and another land. So it costs technically two mana to port somebody. Now, it just means your creature has to survive. 
that's pretty good, especially considering if they're using removal on your little one drops instead of your actual threats, you're winning. Also, it's a one two, so it gets around Lava Dart, which is a big deal right now because mm. there's a lot of prowess and a lot of like red heavy decks in the format. So yep. the fact it just blanks Lava Dart and you have to just spend a lot of resources to get rid of it, it's quite good. Yeah. Funny interaction with Lava Dart is that if you kill it with the Lava Dart by casting it and flashing it back, then it's essentially permanently ported that one land because you have to sacrifice it to kill it. Yeah, so it's like it's like a weird <laughs> weird port, isn't it? It's yeah. like a weird waste, pseudo wasteland. Not that I would want to double Lava Dart, probably a dot hand. No, but no, not at all. saying that, I think it's going to be very good outside of just non-Murfolk decks. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Murfolk's going to obviously be the correct time for it because you have all the Lords and so forth. Um, but I think there is definitely room for like a Esper slash Azorius Taxus deck that wants this, that can really disrupt an attack like the mana base. Yep. Next up, we have New Planeswalker, Dakon Shadow Slayer. So, Dakon Shadow Slayer is white, blue, black for a legendary planeswalker, Dakon. Loyalty zero, right? But it enters the battlefield with the number of loyalty counters on him equal to the number of lands you control, which is similar to, surprise, surprise, his sword, Black Blade, Black Blade Reforged, plus one, plus one for each land you control. They have plus one, Surveil two. So, this was a Demir mechanic from Guilds of Ravnica? Ravnica. Yes, Guilds of Ravnica. And it's like Scry, except if you want to bottom a card, you just put it in the graveyard instead. Minus three is Exile Target Creature, and minus six is you can put an artifact card from your graveyard or hand onto the battlefield. So, Emma, what are your thoughts? I like this card a lot. It reminds me of Sarah back in mm-hmm. MH1, when we looked at Sarah and you're like, oh, gee, you know, this is really cool, flavorful character in Magic's history has come to life as a card. It looks really, really sweet. It's a powerful card. Mm-hmm. I just don't know where it's going to land yeah. because it does a lot of things in a color that you don't necessarily need them. So let's go through the card. Surveil 2 is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's what you, you want to fill up your graveyard in modern, right? It's always better than the scry in this case. Like you don't, you just want to throw as much stuff in the bin, perhaps to get a Gurmag Angler out or just to fill up your bin with artifacts to use Dacon's minus six. Mm-hmm. It's also a really good top deck in the late game because. In the sort of decks you probably want to play this, say Esper Control, mm-hmm. for example, which is doing quite well in modern at the moment, you want to top deck into this, and it could be like on seven loyalty, so you could there could be a situation where you can just ultimate this straight away. More often than not, you're probably just going to use the first two abilities, just because surveilling is good, just upticking surveilling for the rest of the game is fine, mm-hmm. and then you can just exile any kind of threat that comes out of the way. I will say, I don't think you want to run a load of artifacts to make the, the minus six work. I think no. it's a very incidental thing. Yeah. Where if you have, like, a, you, mill up, you mill a cyborg card, for example, like a Damping Sphere or a Torpor Orb or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, probably not best example. Or a Relic of Genesis mm-hmm. or something like that. Soul God Lantern is probably the better example here. Um, and you can just bring that back if you want to. But... Yeah, like in modern, I don't think you care about binning loads and loads of artifacts just to get the most out of Dakon's Bay. I think the first two abilities yeah. are good. Granted, he is mana intensive, he is Esper. Yeah. And then again, like, how, where do you put it in Esper Control? Because Esper Control is round with really good threats. You have Teferi, you have mm-hmm. Jay. Sometimes you run Kyra in the sideboard. You have stuff like Esper Charm, which is really, really good at the moment. So, like, where do you fit this? And I don't think you run the whole four. I think you can probably squeeze like one or two yeah. at a push. But even then, like, Esper Control's not running Path to Exile. So why would you run this over Path? Exactly, when you could yeah. run like Path, which is, which, is a, which is a much cleaner threat, right? Yeah. 
maybe there's room for like Foxasword because that's already in Esper colors. Like there could be a build around with that perhaps. Yeah. But like it's a really cool design. I think it's 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 a nicely designed card. I just don't know where it's going to fall in modern. Yeah. Which is a shame. Which is the same issue Sarah had. Yeah. Um, it's it's weird because the ultimate ability on him, the minus X. People are looking at it going, what's the most broken thing that we can do uh, with this? Like, what's the bus- most busted thing? And people are like, oh, Blightsteel Colossus or whatever. That all sounds well and good, but until you realize that you're then putting a Blightsteel Colossus into your deck in the hope that you ultimate a Planeswalker, and you happen to have it in either the bin or your hand at the same time, it's just too many hoops to jump through. You're going to lose more games than you'll win. Like... Feels a more incidental ultimate 100%. than an ultimate that you want to build around. Like you could get a worm coil engine back. I think that's like the best sort of situation. But even mm. then, like, I th- honestly, I feel like this is more situated for like cubes, like yeah. vintage and legacy cubes. I'll be happy to jam it in my Esper pile decks with my, you know, my fallen shinobis and all that stuff mm-hmm. because you often tinker and do stuff anyway. Yeah. I just think I'd rather keep it to Madcap experiment if I want to cheat out artifacts ahead of curve. You know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, basically, if the first two abilities on this don't have a great home in your deck, don't consider this card. Like, the minus Mm. six looks incredible, but it's trash. It's just trash. Uh, Unless you're playing in Commander, in which case this is probably really good because you can just have it as an incidentally decent card and then sometimes you will, in fact, ultimately get a Blightsteel out or whatever and that's all cool, you know? But otherwise... I think, yeah. yeah, like the plus one's really good. But then again, Search for Ascanta sees no play. And that's Surveil 1. So why would you play this? Is kind of what I'm thinking. I will say there is one neat interaction for Esper Control. And that is Dakon can essentially mill over the two cards that Jace puts back with the Brainstorm. But that's yep, that that's works. literally it though. It's, like, yeah. I don't think that's And also you got to think about you got to think about mana intensity as well. Because I suspect Esper Control is going to want to run want to run an amount of counter spells which is double blue mm-hmm. and feeding a esper colored like three man like a white yeah. a green and a black into this might be a bit too much how happy to prove them wrong it's, it seems a really really cool card it's really really flavorful good nod to magic's history yep. which is what modern horizon likes to do i just don't know where it's gonna fall that's it modern, if anything at all yep and then emma we're gonna talk about one of your preview cards you got some as well yeah. didn't you ah, i did so yes i have three preview cards they went up uh, yesterday, so that would have been Wednesday when this goes live. It goes live on a Thursday. It's on MTG Rocks. Feel free to read the whole thing. There's some really cool cards in there. There's a couple of deck lists as well. Mm-hmm. But the one we're going to talk about today is one that you, everyone kind of knows about already, thanks yeah. to Strixhaven, and that's Abundant Harvest. That is in the set. It was in the Mystical Archives for Strixhaven mm-hmm. um, as like a little little tidbit, like to get you excited for MH2. So if you don't know what Abundant Harvest does, I will read it to you now. Mm-hmm. So for one green mana, you get a sorcery. It is a green card. So you choose land or non-land, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card of the chosen kind. Put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. The reason we want to talk about Abundant Harvest today is because in the Mystical Archive, all the rarities are like shifted around thanks to Arena, mm-hmm. like Faithless Lunes are rare, Brainstorms are rare. Abundant Harvest is also rare in the Mystical Archives, which a lot of people kind of assume that's the rarity of the card coming into Modern Horizons 2. It is actually a common. Yeah, common. It is a common, not an uncommon, it is a common, which means it's going to be legal in pauper. Um, Yeah. And, yeah. (laughs) I mean, when when getting these previews from Watsy, that was like the first thing that hit me. I was just like, 
this card's a common. In, yeah. You know, and that kind of sets the baseline for commons in the format. Like we had, we had um, ephemerate was a really good example from MH1. That's a very, very powerful common that sees a lot of play. Maybe abundant harvest is going to be the same here. Maybe. I mean, we've already seen what this can do in the likes of historic and legacy. In mm. modern, I know we were just talking about popper, but in modern, I think control decks that might run green. You know, like maybe some sort of like teamer control that might run like Ren and Six and that sort of thing would want a brun- abundant harvest. Amula Titan just wants four of these. Sand dunk. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't know what they're taking out, but it's a sand dunk. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they could probably afford to drop a land or two, right? They're running what like forty now. Like, <laughs> uh, it's just really good. One thing I think is nice is that it gets around Narset. Because it doesn't actually draw the card. You put the card into your hand. But at the same time, no one's really playing Narset right now. So it's just more of an incidental, that's neat kind of thing, I suppose. As for Pauper, we were talking about this before the show. We don't really know where this is going to show up. Like, when you first see it, you're like, oh, damn, that's a strong card. But... It's it's one of those cards, right, mm. where it's either going to see zero play in Pauper... Or it's going to see all the playing pauper because someone has managed to break it in a way that just tears the format open. And I am not mm. smart enough nor a astute deck builder to figure it out. But I'm pretty sure there's going to be like pauper barons that are just going to try this card just for just for what it can do. So yeah. it's a one, it's a green mana cantrip. Like yeah, it's there's some potential there. Yeah, like when I first saw this, I was like, oh god, Tron is probably going to run this. And then Emma was like, don't they just run crop rotation instead? And I was like, yeah, you know what? That's just better there because it finds them Tron lands and it's instant speed. Instant, yeah. So like, yeah. Who needs Expedition Map? Yeah. The the Cascade mid-range decks might run it to just help keep finding gas, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Mm, it's one of those cards, like, it's going to see playing modern. Mm-hmm. It's going to see it's seeing playing historic. It's seeing playing legacy right now as well. Be interesting to see what it does in Pauper, and the fact it's a common really surprised me because I, in my head, I kind of had it down as an uncommon yeah. just for what it does, but apparently not. On, on the side note, it does mean it's affordable, so I'd recommend yep. picking four up and forgetting about them, or when you open yeah. boosters, just keep just keep the, the, the keep the abundant harvest, um, because it's probably going to go up at some point because it's 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 one of those cards that's going to be broken somewhere at some point. It might yeah. need another card to enable it, but it's just good to have them and just be like, yeah, forget about these yeah. sort of things. I'm not one for foils, but I would say pick up a foil playset just in case, because mm. they're probably going to spike. Like, look at when Preordain wasn't reprinted for a while and the foil Preordains were like $90 or something. Look, yeah, look at foil ephemerate. It's like the MH1 foils are quite expensive yeah. now, although you have the Mystical Archive mm. ones as well. Another thing I want to say quickly with the previews, I'm guessing a lot of people have already seen this because when people hear this, it'll be day four previews. Um, there's these really cool sketch frame mm-hmm. Modern Horizons 2 cards um, where it's basically, instead of having the art, it's the artist's first sort of sketch of that piece. Mm. So it's like you see the first like sort of example of it. And, and the really interesting thing that I really like about these is that the flavor text is just the art director's uh, brief for the piece. Mm. So on Abundant Harvest, the flavor text on the sketch frame, so Abundant Harvest has a sketch frame version, which is quite nice. And basically the flavor text just says mood surrounded by uh, an abundance of nature. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really cool way just to like nod to the artist and just see that process. I thought it was quite cool. Yeah, yeah it's really neat. I like it a lot. All right, now, speaking of fancy alternate versions of cards and everything, Emma, I believe you wanted to reserve space for a rant today. Correct. 
right. So whenever Scott rants, Scott just rants on on the podcast and mm. just does it sort of thing. Whereas I'm just like, if it's something that really annoys me, I will be like, Scott, I need to talk about this. This is mm. not good. And I will write a thing about it. And, you know, it, I just need to get off my chest because yeah. I think it's an issue. And I think a lot of people are going to have this issue as well. So it, this is this is Emma rant time. So my rant today or my rant this week is about Modern Horizons 2 and how they're distributing singles in their packs. So Modern Horizons 2 is offering something different compared to previous supplemental sets. This time around, we're starting to see stuff like collector boosters, set boosters, but getting a pre-release, which is good. Um, and then you're getting bundles as well. Um, it's nice to see supplemental sets get that kind of support, which is probably something we're going to see going forward. But that's not my issue. My issue here is how Wizards of the Coast are distributing these cards within these premium packs, in particular the collector boosters. Cards such as Force of Negation and Lesser Extent Giver of Runes, which is also mm. seeing the old border treatment. Force of Negation at the moment is $75 a piece, and it is one of the most expensive cards in Modern Horizons 1. Yeah. It's one of the most important cards in the modern format, and as a result, if people wanting to play blue decks, it prices them out of playing those decks because it is really, really expensive. It's, it's affordability, right? As much as Watsy don't officially acknowledge the second-hand market, spoiler alert, they actually do just due to stuff like secret layers. They're choosing to put these quote-unquote reprints in collector boosters in the ancillary slot, which means it lessens the rate of opening one, which also isn't really a true reprint. Uh, it's going to do fuck all for the price of people acquiring these cards. Essentially, it's a mythic. They're doing some parts right with like the extended frames, the showcase yeah. frames, and the normal frames. That helps accessibility quite a lot. Um, but why make a card that is actually a rare rarer than a mythic when it's already really expensive it's a horrible predatory thing for folks who want this car but can't afford it so they have to buy a pack instead they have to run that lorry and that is not fair it is predatory mm -hmm. yeah i get businesses need to make money but come on Watson, you can do better than that like you can't you can't just prey on these people and hope they need like, their full force negation to finish blue white control or mm -hmm. whatever and they have to run the lottery on these boosters it's just something i don't agree with i'm 100 percent on your side on this one to a similar degree, it's like Cabal Coffers getting upshifted to Mythic in this set. It's the same thing. That deal. also annoys me. Yeah. It should be a rare. And they know what they're doing because yeah. they, they want they want a piece of the Commander players. And Commander players are going to buy it because they want a Cabal Coffers because it's like yeah. $80 at the moment. They could just reprint Force of Negation in the set. Yeah. They're reprinting Fetchlands, so why not reprint Force of Negation? Like, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not on. Yeah. No, that's a very valid rant that you have there. For sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll back you on that one. For sure. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, right. To finish off the show, we have... I am, uh, I believe we have a couple of uh, pieces of Q&A this week, don't we? Yeah, we've got quite a few this week. So, we've got our regular tweet from Evie the Mage. Mm -hmm. They say, uh, hey, the last few episodes have been awesome. First off, thank you very much. And want to say congrats for that. Thank you. As for budget cards, Blight Mound is around $2 and does a lot of work in black-based token decks. Uh, we're talking about, I think we're talking about Commander here from what mm -hmm. I can gather. Yep. The fact that pests can gain life after death helps aristocrat decks. And the plus one plus O with Menace helps quite a lot as well. So mm -hmm. if you're looking to build like a black X token deck in like Commander, Blight Mound might be a really good shout because pests just seem really powerful in Commander. Yeah, that's nice. Good card. Right, so we have a tweet from Brian Sharp, and they ask, do these cards make the cut for modern 8-rack? 
uh, for budget eight rag. Mm-hmm. And the cards in question are Tigrid, God of Fright, mm-hmm. Skull Raid, and then you got Go Blank as well. As the resident eight rack player, I'll let you answer this one. <laughs> right. So first thing to point out, both sides of Tigrid, God of Fright are pretty good. Her and her lantern. And same with Skull Raid and Go Blank. They are very, very good cards. The problem is with these cards is that they just cost too much. Most spells in 8-Rack, even the budget lists, are one, maybe two mana. If you're going to over two mana, it has to be for a huge benefit. The only things that I can think of that would be worth that benefit are Davriel, because there's additional copies of Rack that also discard cards, and nether spirit because you just put a one of in and it's a free creature to just keep getting back whenever you draw it so you're running smallpox in this kind of deck so you will be land light very regularly you know like if you keep a three lander with the smallpox by turn two you will have effectively kept a two lander so you would then have to rely on drawing a third land again and that kind of thing so i would say for modern no Go Blank, I believe, has shown up in sideboards in Pioneer here and there, but the other ones just cost way too much, way, way too much, unfortunately. Now, if you want a home for Turgrid, uh Commander, I guess, but also don't do it over webcam because it's really, really messy, and also people might not want to play with you again because it's very unfun also. So, <laughs> so there's that. Um, it turns out when you design a Commander card too good, it becomes unplayable because no one wants to play against it. I really wanted Skull Raid to be good. It's just not. Unfortunately not. Like, even four mana over two turns is just too much. If you want a budget list, I have a budget eight rack list. Uh, I'm going to put it in the show notes. If you are not a patron, um, just message me on Twitter and I'll send it over to you there. But you'll notice that you can get this deck down really, really cheap. Like, my list is under $50. And... It wrecks people. It really wrecks people. So No one expects the wreck. Not anymore, anyway, no. <laughs> uh, get some free wins out of yeah, it, perhaps. That's it. So, we got a tweet from Jeffrey David, and they asked, Is there a deck with some combination of these one-mana answers to Greeks a vote question? Maybe mono-black hand destruction, or adding a red splash for Croxer? And the cards in question they are looking at are Malakir Rebirth, mm-hmm. which is a good one. You've got Village Rights, which I suspect is going to see play with Greek anyway. Mm. Uh, you've got Undying Evil, and then you've got Grief itself as well as the card in question. So, yes, there will be places where this will show up. I don't think the Red Splash is the right way to go, but White, definitely, like we mentioned already, Ephemerate. I will say that this, I know we've already talked about it a couple of times, but my article doing the deep dive on Grief, about 50% of that article is answering this exact question. So hop on over to the article on Car Kingdom there. I cover it in very, very great detail. Uh, specifically, the amount of cards that are left in your hand before and after when facing an opponent, when you're doing stuff like Grief um, with the Evoke Trigger on the stack, Ephemerate it or Village Rights it or whichever. And I compare them with cards in hand and Battlefield and game situation when compared to going land turn one thoughtsies so i definitely recommend checking that out i don't think i've ever talked about a single card as much as i did in this one article and it definitely answers all the questions that you have if you have any more questions on it by all means uh send another message our way and i'll happily answer it if it's something that hasn't been covered in the article already but 
I really did talk too much about grief this week. It's it's probably there. It's probably in the article. Yeah. <laughs> On a side note, I do think Tide Hunter Scholar could be an interesting addition yes. alongside ephemerating grief. Yep. That's my that's my input. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, we have a question uh, from that diff TCG. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sent in a tweet saying, we finally have some product details on the MH2 draft set and collector boosters. With this comes new knowledge of such things as the return of foil edge cards and collector mm. boosters, like I was talking about earlier with the Force of Negations. Uh, specifically, foil edge cards this time around can consist of popular uh, MH1 cards mm. in the retro frame. So, what sort of cards would you like to see MH1 Old Border featured in the set as a quote-unquote mm. reprint? So I'll give you three. The three that I want to see are Flusterstorm, because I think that would look sweet. Mm. The Horizon Lands would look awesome. They would look great. And I have a brand to maintain, so I'm going to say Aria Flame. Knew there's <laughs> going to be something like that. It's going to be just something adjacent to Is It Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Like, who would have thought? So my three are Season Pyromancer. I think nice. that's a really good shout. I think that's probably going to get it. Um, Ephemerate. Yeah. I'd love an old border Ephemerate. Also, Collector Oof, which sees no play, but I think that card's really sweet. Yeah, it's good. Also, special nod to Plague Engineer. That could get one as well. I'm not giving a special nod to Plague Engineer. No way. (laughs) No way. They'll get the finger if they get anything from me. Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, and Christopher McCarthy. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, a nice planeswalker, Nurblin, Everett Brogan, Tom Telford, Alex Gibson, Jeff Eaton, and Bo Schwartz-Madsen. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.